You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. I hope you're all having a wonderful New Year's. You know what's a big bummer about the Happy New Year thing is, for whatever reason, people don't feel like they can say it past the few days of New Year's. And I'm a big proponent of saying Happy New Year until February 1st. And if you're a linear listener, then you know that I have the whole idea of the baton passing. And we are definitely in the month of allowing 2023 to wind down. So if you are still in the process of closing up any things that don't need to be carried over into the new year, then I highly recommend that you utilize the next 19-ish or so days to do that. And I'm a big fan of especially not having seen a lot of people since it flipped New Year to say Happy New Year to them. Uh, I'm really sure why society stops doing that. We start wishing people Merry Christmas the day after Thanksgiving, and there's a build-up to it. And then it's as if December 26th comes around, and that's it. No more Merry Christmas wishes. It's like, I'm saying Merry Christmas all the way up until January 1st if I haven't seen some people, and certainly wishing them a Happy New Year well into January. So feel free to do that. I give you permission. And a part of the new year, in the North American continent, at least. And I know I've got listeners in over 100 countries, and you know some of y'all are around the equator, so you may not know seasons. But we definitely know seasons up here in the United States. And for us, it's winter, unless you are in the blessed versions of our country that are around San Diego or south enough in Florida not to get hit by winter storms. So for the majority of us, okay, I'll throw in Phoenix in there too, because I've got some friends who say it's rather nice out there right now. For the majority of us, it's winter and it's cold and it's the doldrum of winter. Most of us know what the dog days of summer feel like because of how hot it can be and where it just feels like uncomfortable to be in your skin. Well, then we get to experience that in January and February. And the part about the cold weather that can be different than the hot weather is that we can find ourselves holed up in our homes, not really wanting to leave all that much and staying where we can keep it warm. We can, you know, have a heater on and not have to wear six layers of clothes and gloves and all that jazz and just to go check the mail or run up to the grocery store and get ourselves some food. With cold weather comes the desire to hibernate, to cocoon, to just slow it down a little bit and be more inside of our homes. When this happens, we are now around an environment that could be very familiar to our addictive mind that says, hey, we're not going to go many places for the next few days anyways. What's it matter if we grab a couple bottles? What's the matter if we get ourselves a bag? What does it matter if we don't you know, re-up on our drug of choice? One of the reasons that it can be such a difficult time for those of us who want to switch into the new year and release our addictions is that we find ourselves in an environment on a regular basis that we have built around having the addiction feel like a conducive part of our normal behavior. So if you are normally not wanting to be around a lot of people and getting intoxicated on whatever your drug or alcohol of choice is, certainly having it be 20, 30, 40 degrees outside and not wanting to go out there and face the weather and go to visit people or go out of 
to the house and just be social, right? Now you're just locked up in the crib all day. And again, we have built an environment in our home that makes it conducive to the intoxication. Even if we haven't completely built it up to the point where we're having to hide it in the garage or wait till everybody goes to bed, we have still created something. And I feel like a lot of us in the addiction world, when we step into the sobriety, have to start making a lot of major shifts in our environment, in our mindset, in our thinking as we begin to experience what life without our long-held best friend is going to be like. And mind you, when I say best friend, I'm using it rather loosely. It's like having a best friend who talks a lot of shit to you, hurts you pretty often, and says mean things about you behind your back. (laughs) Not a great best friend. And if you actually have a best friend like that, I highly recommend that you also figure figure out a way to eradicate them from your lives. So when I get into conversations with people about whether they feel like they have a problem, believe they have a problem, are ready to take action on their problem, there can be some hesitation in answering of the questions based off of how they perceive their addiction. And when you're in pre-contemplation, you don't even think that there's a problem. Somebody might try to hint around to it and you're like, ah, whatever, dude. You're just, you know, you're just being a pud. You're just being a herb. You're just being a dick. Uh, Your opinion of me matters not. As we get into the contemplation and the planning stages, we actively know that there's something that we want to change about ourselves. There can still be some deliberation going on inside of our heads, a back and forth, a jawing, a debate, an argument, if you will, between all these voices that we have in our head about whether we have an active addiction problem or not. And when I say voices in my head, we're not you know, going Hannibal Lecter here with psychosis as much as you just, you're talking to yourself a lot in your head. And you've got a lot of different voices saying a lot of different things. Some days you are absolutely gung-ho towards sobriety and recovery and being the best version of yourself and stepping up and honoring the commitments that you have made to yourself and others. And then other times it's like there's a version of you that just says, no, 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 I I get that I said I would do that, but I'm not going to honor my word. I'm not going to be the best version of myself today. I'm going to seek to put myself and my needs ahead of other people or even another version of myself, regardless of the decision I made previously. One of the main aspects of shifting your mindset into sobriety and recovery is going to be the realization that when you make decisions utilizing your rational mind, that prefrontal cortex, those are the decisions you want to follow through on. And allowing your day to follow along the lines of the whimsfulness, the whimsical reality of your emotional mind will cause you to go off script, go off your path. If you allow your emotions to dictate your behaviors, you are going to find yourself circling back to things you have already decided you are sick and tired of experiencing. And you're going to do this over and over and over again. So as we begin to wise mind ourselves, and there's a reason I call everything I do the wise mind empowerment. We want to take rational mind, we want to take emotional mind, and we want to meld them together. So we can be emotional when the time calls for it, such as, you know, having a friend want to rely on us as a secret keeper whenever they have something very meaningful they want to share. When you are experiencing something emotional in your life, you know how to manage and maneuver through those emotions in a in a very 
a surreal sense. Like you want to feel the emotion, but you don't want to overreact because of the emotion. You want it to be balanced. Yelling and screaming at your kids for leaving a backpack in the hallway might be a slight over-exaggeration of the emotions that could be portrayed in that moment versus calmly sitting them down and letting them know that you like to keep a, a clean and organized home because it's important to you that you feel like you have some control over the chaos of the world, whatever that conversation would look like for you, screaming and yelling at them because you've told them a hundred times isn't going to make them follow your orders any more thoroughly than if you sat them down and actually calmly explained to them why it's important to you. So we want to meld together the rational and the emotional mind, using our thinking mind when appropriate, our emotional mind when appropriate, and knowing how to mix the two. And as you begin to journey into your life of sobriety and recovery, there's going to be those debates going on in your head, as I previously referenced, whether you really have that big of a problem or not. And I know that this is an actively discussed question and answer process within group meetings and at inpatient treatment centers and at outpatient treatment group meetings and within therapy, because I get this question a lot whenever I meet y'all listeners, when you set up a call with me at jessemogul.com slash ask me, and you go ahead and fill out the Google form, and then I get a hold of you. There are the questions that come up of, is this really as bad as I think it is? Or am I overreacting to what's going on? And now we're going to get into the meat of what today is about. Do you really have a problem? I'm a huge proponent of the notion, the theory, the idea, if you will, that if you are asking yourself if you have a problem, then there's a very good chance you already know you do. You just don't have to come face to face with the reality that what was once your best friend has now become your worst enemy. What was once your medicine is now your poison. And yes, it can be difficult. It can be, oh my goodness, there's so many different ways of framing this. It can just be quite a challenge to make the decision to change and then realize the actual reality of your circumstances. That you don't just stop drinking or stop using that there are thousands upon thousands of habits that have been built up around making the drinking and the using something that you can maneuver in your life. I know a lot of us think, no, man, it's just, well, I just decide to drink a beer and I just have a beer. I decide to snort a line, I just snort a line. I decide to take some Kratom, I just snort some Kratom. Uh, I guess you wouldn't snort Kratom, but you would definitely put it in your mouth. <laughs> Got a little crazy with the snort stuff there. Apologies on that one. My point is that the actual act of using is the final result of all of the thinking that's come before it, of all of the feeling, of all the actions, of all of the behaviors. The using is just the result of thousands of different decision points that have occurred in order to reach you there. I know it can sound absurd that there are thousands of decisions and thousands of action points. The beautiful thing about the human brain is it likes to just slide you into unconscious, tranced out mode a majority of your day. And what I mean by that is you have unconscious programming, unconscious habits that you're following, that you're allowing to manipulate you each and every day, simply because we don't pull them out of our unconscious mind into our conscious mind, lay them out on the table and figure out, is this really serving me anymore? There's 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of these habits built up in your life from waking up and having that automatic negative thought to the way you brush your teeth to the way you pour your coffee to the way you drive to work to the amount of times you check your wallet to see if you've got your credit card to buy your booze all of it there's so many of them and now before we get deeper into that in later episodes for this month we're going to reel it back in and go back to that question I proposed just a moment ago. Do you have a problem? I know this question matters to you because I get asked it a lot. Here is an opportunity for you to deduce within yourself if that problem is real, if it is something that is actually going on in your life. And potentially, maybe you are. I'm not going to say over-exaggerating your addiction, because I don't think anybody does that intentionally. But certainly at an unconscious level, we can begin to blow things out of proportion. Again, if you've asked yourself if you've got a problem, very good chances you do, because you wouldn't be asking that question if there wasn't some truth in it. And there is a test called the Alcohol Use Disorder Identification Test that is huge within my industry of addiction recovery and in coaching and counseling and all of that stuff. And it's called the audit. And I'm going to put a link for this audit test into the show notes. And as I begin to build out individual web pages for the podcast, you will eventually be able to go to jessemogul.com from sobriety to recovery and find all of this there. It's quite an undertaking to build out web pages for episodes. And I'm realizing that in the decision to do this after 260, 70 episodes, that it's going to take the whole year for me to completely finish this. And I'm going to start with the most recent episodes first and then work myself backwards. So once this starts to actually get posted and up and running, I'll let you know in the next episodes. But for now, you can find it actually in the podcast episodes. Just look below. Um, hopefully, you're listening on one of the apps that actually allows links to be live. If not, just simply hold down that area, copy and paste it over into your web browser on your phone or you know on your computer, however you're listening to me. So the audit, the alcohol use disorder identification test. This is something that I will run a lot of people through when they first give me phone calls to figure out where they're at in their addiction journey, as well as some questions that will absolutely pertain to where you're at in the contemplation, planning, action taking, and then maintenance or or lapse, relapse stages. If this is something that you would enjoy going through, having a conversation about your drinking and your drug use, you need go no further than jessemogul.com slash me. Click on the coaching button, fill out the form, and we'll set up a phone call. I'd love to meet you, discuss what's going on in your life, and see if uh, my coaching is a good option for you, if the tribe is a good option for you, and potentially even learning neurolinguistic programming so that you're able to actionably take forth this desire to quit and stop drinking and using drugs and make it a reality in your life. Go to jessemogul.com slash ask me and click on the coaching button and we'll set up that phone call. Back to the audit. 
It is an amazing little test. It's so simple. It's like 10 questions. And I'm going to run you through those questions now, and then you can click on the link in the show notes to actually go here. And it's an interactive test. It's called the auditscreen.org website. It's pretty fantastic. And you can just sit here and you can actually answer it. And I'm going to answer it here as if I was the version of me the day before I quit drinking. Um, Complete side note, can't believe it's taken me this long to bring it up. Um, I turned seven years old on Saturday which is in two days. So I will be doing a special episode for that on my soberversary, which is Saturday, January 13th of 2024 this year. Seven years. Um, my magical number seven. Love, love, love the number seven. Back to the audit. So I'm going to take it right now as if I was me on January 12th of 2017, and we're going to go through this and get you out of here with the positive vibration. So when you click on the link and you go there, it's going to open you up to a screen that will start off with um, you selecting your gender. Um, Again, if that's something of a contentious topic for you, just release that and take the audit exam. It's going to be very beneficial for you to understand the answers to these questions. So don't let um, how they've developed this online questionnaire to um, offend you or upset you in any way. Just go ahead, move through that option. I just wanted to bring that up. I've gotten a lot of contacts from people who are part of the LGBTQ community, and I just want you to know that just because it has a simple select your gender button, male or female, um, it's not saying anything or implying anything. It just wants to get you to question one. So let's move to question one. How often do you drink a drink containing alcohol? It actually says, how often do you have a drink containing alcohol? Never, monthly, two to four times a month, two to three times a week, or four more times a week. I would have absolutely said four more times a week. How many standard drinks containing alcohol do you have on a typical day when drinking? Um, You know, some days would vary more than others, but by the time I was actually answering this question back on January 12th of 2017, I would have absolutely have said seven to nine or 10 or more. It gives you one or two, three or four, five or six, seven to nine, 10 or more. Uh, We'll just go with seven to nine because, you know, at least a six pack, no problem. Some shots too. How often do you have six or more drinks on one occasion? (laughs) By that point, it was daily or almost daily, but it would definitely have also been weekly. I could have definitely answered weekly. Um, So let's do weekly. During the past year, how often have you found that you were not able to stop drinking once you started? Oh, I mean, every time? Honestly, if I started drinking, why was I drinking if I wasn't drinking to get drunk? So it was every single time. Like I, I passed that point where it's like, oh, let's have a nice fancy glass of wine at dinner. No, 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 no. Let's swing by Trader Joe's and buy some two buck chuck on the way home because fuck it, it's a race to the blackout and I'm the only one in it. So I would say daily or almost daily. During the past year, how often have you failed to do what was normally expected of you because of drinking? Um, yeah, I would go with weekly. I won't say daily or almost daily because I I did figure out ways to push through the hangovers or just show up there drunk, but I'll definitely give it a weekly, Um, certainly more often than just monthly. 
which is on here as well. Less than monthly, never is another one. They always start off with the real, you know, loosey-goosey ones. Never, less than monthly, monthly, weekly. I figure most people won't probably come across this test if they don't have some kind of drinking or drug issue. So the likelihood that you would say never on some of these is probably pretty low. But again, that's subjective to my perspective, and I'm not going to sit here and put what I believe um, into your mind. You will answer these accordingly and accurately for yourself. During the past year, how often have you needed a drink in the morning to get yourself going after a heavy drinking session? Um, yeah, I mean, I could easily say weekly during the football season, anytime. I mean, if I woke up with a massive hangover, I was definitely going to uh, drink a drink. So did that happen weekly? Yeah, maybe not every week, but certainly 52 times in a year. During the past year, how often have you had a feeling of guilt or remorse after drinking? <laughs> I had guilt and remorse before I took the sip. <laughs> But we'll put weekly on here, too, because not every time. Sometimes I was like, Fuck it, we're going to tear one up. Let's go Gators. <sighs> drink, 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 drink to Epsilon. During the past year, how often have you been unable to remember what happened the night before because you had been drinking? <laughs> A lot. Again, we'll click weekly on that because I'm not going to say I blacked myself out every time. But there's definitely, you know, we'll definitely say it was 52 times a year, which would mathematically say it was weekly. Have you or someone else been injured as a result of your drinking? Um, so here's interesting. So it goes, no, yes, but not in the past year. Yes, during the past year. Um, I wouldn't get injured every single year, but there were some years that were worse than others. So I'm going to check yes, but not in the past year. Has a relative or friend doctor or other health worker been concerned about your drinking or suggested you cut down? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll just go ahead and say yeah to that one. All right. Let's hit submit on this little bad boy and let's see what it comes back. Oh, let's see. It's still doing the little processing. Dooby dooby doo. And while it processes, I will sing a song to you. And here we go. Thank you for completing this survey. High score is what I received. Your score is 32 and shows that you are likely to have alcohol dependence. It is important that you take action on this, and we recommend that you seek an appointment with your medical doctor or physician. Alcohol dependence is a treatable condition. We encourage you to seek advice as alcohol dependence can if untreated, have a seriously progressive course. We also encourage you to access the telephone advice lines and internet resources as are available in your own country. Now, I skipped some sentences there, but just hitting out mainly the bold parts of it. There you go. Um, how will you score on this? What's really interesting, and I could have put this caveat at the beginning before I went into the entire audit screening test just now, is that I have utilized this for people who have drug addictions, right? And that's all of them, meth and coke and heroin and kratom and marijuana even. I mean, it, just, it can be any of them. And I've also been able to find a usefulness for this with process addictions, whether it could be shopping, gambling, porn, being on your phone, yelling and screaming. It's very interesting that People don't consider yelling and screaming and getting angry to be a process addiction, but there is a desire to feel something inside and then a behavior that you take in order to feel that. And it could be control. It could be power. It could just be the desire to shame somebody else. Either way, uh, when we behave a certain way, there is generally a specific 
desired achievement result that we want from that. And you can run the audit screen test through a lot of different kinds of substance use disorders and also process addictions. So you might be somebody who um, has an affinity for food and perhaps you have an eating disorder. And you could ask yourself during the past year, how often have I needed to eat sugar or eat a certain food in the morning in order to get myself uh, going after a hardcore night of binging, right? You can change these sentences around based off of what you believe your SUD, substance use disorder, or your process addiction is. And you will find that it is very useful and is also accurate with that as well. So just slide in whatever you believe your source problem to be into this website and just ask your questions according to what it is you're experiencing. This has been used by tens upon tens upon tens of thousands of healthcare professionals who work with those in the addiction recovery community in order to help them get an idea of where they are at in their addiction journey. Just the ability to answer these things truthfully can show a level of contemplation and planning that a person in pre-contemplation may not be willing to expose themselves to. Interestingly enough, that as... I have gotten more and more involved over the last handful of years in the addiction recovery world, in recovery coaching, and even business consulting. I find that a lot of people have unresolved emotional trauma and suffering going on in their life that has led them to SUDs and process addictions that they are very unaware of until someone shines a light on how their behaviors are actually manipulating their life to continue using in such a way that they don't really get to achieve what they want from their life. Those unconscious anchors that we have that hold us back. When you call up various places to initially get some help with your drinking, I would say that the likelihood that they will be asking you questions based off of this audit test is very high. They might word them differently, But the likelihood that they are using this test as their base copy for how they're going to ask you these questions is pretty good. The odds are very good. The likelihood that they even have this website open and are clicking the buttons as you answer the questions is also very likely. I have seen this used at suicide hotlines. I have seen this used at addiction recovery centers when people call up asking for help. I remember having these questions asked to me differently, but similarly when I called up Kaiser and they would just ask me a few handful of these questions. Once you get four or five into it, it's sort of like taking the adverse childhood experiences um, audit, you know, test, quiz, whatever that is called, the ACEs, where it's like once you get up to, you know, where you've said yes to like three or four or five of them, that's it. I mean, any mental health care provider is going to know you are absolutely in need of some assistance, of some services. And they don't really need to get even any deeper. I mean, by the time I've answered weekly on the first five or six, do I really need to get back down to number seven where it asks about guilt or remorse? Or number eight where it asks about remembering the night before? Or number nine where it asks about injuries? Or even number 10 where it talks about someone saying, hey, dude, maybe you want to check your drinking. 
if you've gotten to number five answering pretty firmly on weekly and daily or almost daily on those first five, it's going to be a pretty foregone conclusion, minus your lack of self-awareness, that you're going to be answering similarly to six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. So this information is useful for you when you want to question whether you actually have a problem or not. If you are no longer questioning whether you have a problem or not, then this is a really good way for you to check with yourself about just your internal mechanisms for self-awareness. If you're like, no, I definitely have a problem, and I read these over, and I can absolutely feel into all 10 of them, they are definitely experiences I have. Now you know that you are ready to begin the process of changing, of sobriety and recovery. What we're going to be covering in the next couple of weeks is some pitfalls that you will find yourself potentially falling into when you first get sober. I'm calling this the seven key things to look for that could pull you back into your addiction. That is absolutely not going to be the title, but that's how I'm going to reference it to you right now. <laughs> And this is stuff that you can Google as far as, you know, what are some things that might cause me to go back to drinking or what are five things that I should notice about uh, my first week of being sober? What are five things to worry about when I first get sober? I mean, the different ways that you could Google and come up with similar answers as what I'm going to discuss in the next few episodes. It's, I'm not going to say infinite because Google is not infinite. It just feels infinite. But there's going to be tens of thousands of these variations. What I'm going to do when I bring them up to you is start to tie in the psychology of what your mind is attempting to do in order to keep you where you're at. So if one of the things that you need to be mindful of is trying to continue doing the things that you did during your active addiction in your current beginner stages of sobriety, then yeah you're going to find that trying to continue going to happy hour on Wednesday nights with all the coworkers, it's not going to work the same way that it did the last three years whenever you were going there and getting shit canned. Now you want to go just to be social and all of the old anchors are there as soon as you walk into the bar to go back to drinking. There's going to need to be a shift at the least the beginning stages away from behaviors that you used to do with or without people that led you to drinking. And a lot of people want to just take the drinking or the drugging out and then not change behaviors. It'd be like if you had an eating disorder and you wanted to keep going having lunch with all of your friends who also enjoy eating copious amounts of food way beyond what the human body seeks as its capacity. You are going to need to be mindful about going to lunch with those friends for a little while until you can get yourself into a stable, grounded space where you are no longer triggered by watching all of them wolf down on the sugary snacks and the cheeseburgers and the cheesecake. And you can sit over there and eat a more mindfully balanced and grounded meal. It's just the way that it is. Some people have been able to continue doing everything they were normally doing and just can just take out the alcohol or the drugs. But those people are few and far between. And if you've already danced with that devil a few times and found that they absolutely are leading the dance, not you, then you've gotten the answers you need. Then you've gotten the results that you can now say, you know what? I've tried to continue doing all the things that I've always done and it's not worked. Maybe it's time to start trying some things that I haven't done yet. And let's see if those can give me the answers and the results that I desire. This is an ebb and flow. This is a 50-50. There's a lot of practicing here, which in this discussion is really just doing. There's a lot of doing. 
and you might get to seven days, 14 days, 31 days, 117 days, and then find that you're back at day one. But you're not really back at day one because you have all those days of sobriety under your belt. So now you're just 117 days out of 118 days. And well, no, you don't get to walk around and say that you've got 118 days when you used yesterday. You do not have to say, well, I'm back at the beginning because you're not. You have a ton of experience on how you got to day 117, and now we can utilize that in order to achieve day 118 the next time it comes around. I will get you out of here on this. You know from having listened to me for all this time that I am a big proponent of steps. And one of the coolest things about the stepping process is that it can be difficult on some days to achieve 10,000 steps. Just life takes over. Now, I've put an exercise bike in my office that we got off Facebook Marketplace uh, for Christmas. I got this little under-the-desk treadmill so I can set it up on my desk and I can walk while I'm doing schoolwork and while I'm emptying email boxes and just any old thing, right? So now it's sitting here underneath my desk. I will absolutely be getting some steps on it later today. I have gotten myself multiple times. Let's see, once I got to 30 days, once I got to 73 days. Let's see when the last time I got a bunch, uh, I've had a couple seven day trips in here, a couple three day trips in here, gotten a couple eight day trips in here. Um, and I go back to all these days. My goodness, there's just so many days where. It just wasn't necessarily happening. Here's another 22-day streak that I was able to nail, 35-day streak I was able to nail. And if I keep going back, 311-day streak that I was able to nail, um, that was pretty sweet. Um, is that all, 64, 53, just all these little ones in here, right? And now why am I referencing this? Because it has been you know, a journey for me to do all of these steps. One of the interesting things is that I must have changed the time on this because back in the day, I'm pretty sure it was somewhere in the 430s. And uh, now it's it's saying that it's only at like 311, but I don't really care about what I achieved back in the day. I care about what I'm achieving now. And if the app wants to manipulate it, that's fine. The point being, reel it in, dude. Focus down. Let's get everybody out of the show with on a positive note. <laughs> is that... You heard me just go through 53, 64, 77, 84, 311. Now, I just, now I'm back up into 80. Yeah, it sucked. It freaking sucked to wake up 80 day, 81 days ago and realize that I had missed a day and now I had to start back over when my goal was 117 days in a row by the end of the year. It sucked. But you know what? Fuck it, man. Like, I'm not going to let myself go off the rails because of one day. Okay, that sucks. Now I got to start back over. But I'm not going to ever get to 117 if I don't get to day two. And I can know, I know, I know, I know, I know it can suck. Back in the day, I must have lapsed and relapsed 30 or 40 times. I once went sober for an entire year, two or three different times in my life as punishment to myself for my drinking. No sex, no drugs, no rock and roll. No, 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 Jesse, bad, bad, bad. And I made it one year and on day 366, it was freaking party time. So I know what it's like to lapse and relapse just so many times you feel like, why am I even still trying? Because it's what, it's what feels right to you. 
If there wasn't a voice inside your head, that one trying to be louder than all the others saying, come on, you can do this, you wouldn't keep going back. And I know it can be demoralizing or deflating when you stack in 30 days or 62 days or 116 days and you don't get to that 117th day. I get it. I do. It's part of the human experience. And it can be beautiful and it can be sucky all at the same freaking time. But you aren't going to be able to get back to day 30, 60, 90, 117 if you don't work on getting yourself to day 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. That's what we're going to start discussing as we move forward is understanding that these internal blocks, these mental barriers you've created for yourself, consciously or unconsciously, they can be torn down. They can be torn down. You built them. You can tear them down. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. But time is going to pass regardless. This is what I say when I'm doing stuff that I'm not necessarily enjoying, right? Like, you know, working a job or doing something in the moment. I'm like, this sucks. I don't want to be doing it. But you know what? It needs to get done. So just do it. Put on as big of a smile as you can. Or if nothing else, just don't bitch and moan to everybody around you about it. And just do it. Because you know what? In a few hours, it'll be over. In a few days, it'll be a forgotten memory. In a few months, you, unless you put it on your calendar, you may not even remember doing it. Push through the hard times because the exhilaration of climbing up that accomplishment mountain and saying, I did this, I did another day, I did two days, I did seven days, that feeling, it will absorb into you. It will explode outwardly from you. And no matter how many days you've got to go back to the app or the calendar saying you're at one, you are never back at day one. You cannot go back to day one. Even if you were to completely relapse and go all the way back into the depths of your despair and your suffering and just pour the fucking booze down your mouth like you're standing underneath Niagara Falls, you do not get to go back to day one once you have stepped into this belief that you can be sober, that you have tried it and you've attempted it and you might go back. But once you have felt the exhilaration of it once, you will be able to feel that again. There will be ebbs and flows. There will be ups and downs. There will be the give and take and the good and bad. And it's all part of it. But once you've gone from pre-contemplation into contemplation and planning and been able to make it even one day, you know what that feeling of satisfaction is towards yourself. You've looked at yourself in the mirror and been like, today you showed yourself. Your actions proved to yourself you love you. That's the person you want to fall back in love with first yourself. Asking yourself these audit questions will give you an idea of where you're at on your journey, but it's just information unless you take action from it. Blah, 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 blah is what I might sound like if you're not taking action on anything that I'm doing. I could literally sound like the teacher and the parents from Peanuts if you're not taking action. Take the audit test if you still have questions about whether you have an addiction issue that needs to be resolved and worked toward. Help some other people answer these questions for themselves if they doubt whether they've got an issue or not. And then start seeking out resources. You can start with Google. You've already found my show. You can certainly go to jessemogul.com slash askme, fill out one of those forms, and we can get on a call. There are suicide hotlines. There are addiction recovery hotlines. There are SAMHSA, S-A-H-M-S-A. Or it's S-A-M-H-S-A. I have always, not always, but I very 
frequently, cannot figure out whether the H or the M is in the correct spot. But S-A-H-M-S-A or S-A-M-H-S-A, it's one of those. And you would think I would know it because I'm on that freaking website every day. But it still eludes me. Anyways, there are resources. Start gathering them. Start planning. Take some action. Even if it's just sobriety for an extra hour after you leave work than you normally would have started, that is a win. Take the wins. Take the audit test. Figure this stuff out. Keep coming back. This stuff does work if you are willing to put in the work. As always, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release, and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. So shout out to Sunshine and Robert. Glow on. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.